Um, rather than looking at a specific Bible verse or Bible verses and taking them apart, I want to talk about spiritual gifts as a whole. So before we start taking them apart, which we're going to do, it's starting um, really in two weeks. Next week, I'm going to talk about the personal work of the Holy Spirit as engaged in spiritual gifts. And then we're going to start a series where we're going to talk about the various gifts individually. Uh, but today I want to uh, talk. Well, first, let me say Jesus this. Jesus loves his church, his body. Let me and <laughs> let us say this. Let me see if that's going to happen again. No, we're rolling now. Um, this past Wednesday, I answered some questions on uh, both spiritual gifts and some stuff from the conference. Uh, if you weren't able to be here, but uh, you'd like to hear those responses, um, there's some CDs that will be on the back counter that you could pick up and listen to. We're not going to post it online um, just for a number of reasons. Uh, but for us, individually, if you had questions and uh, just weren't able to, 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 to be here for, for, for whatever reason other than you're lazy and stayed at home, you're welcome to pick up a CD. Uh, so... <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that in. Hey, it's been a long week for me. Have you ever had those weeks? Oh, by the way, if you want to ask some more questions about spiritual gifts other than my wonderful attitude, uh, you can uh, scan that and, and, and put it up there. Hey, um, have you ever had one of those weeks where it's just so busy, you're just looking forward to getting over the next hurdle? where it's like one thing right after the other, and all you can think about, oh, I can't wait till Thursday, or I can't wait till Friday, or I can't wait till Monday, when I can get past that. Um, I had one of those weeks, where it just seemed like I had one thing after another, and anyway, I was laying in bed last night thinking, oh, Lord, thank you, I made it to Saturday night, and making it Sunday morning, I'm getting over one hurdle. And I felt like the voice of the Lord was saying to me, stop looking forward to the next thing you're going to be past and embrace what I'm giving you for the moment. Um, that if, I'm getting too old really to think about getting past things rather than embracing things. And I think it matters not what your age is. That really whatever age you are, it's time to embrace the things that God has for you in that moment. Because if all you're doing is looking forward to getting past that next thing, you'll look back at life saying, wow, where did, it, where did it go? And instead of being present and giving yourself into every single thing. And that's part of what I, I want to share with you about spiritual gifts. God has given you a gift to be used for some reason, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do? You've probably never heard of the name Hetty Green, but Hetty Green, depending on who you talk to, she was known as the Queen of Wall Street, or to some, she was known as the Witch of Wall Street, uh, depending on your perspective of her. Uh, she died in 1916 with an estimated worth, $1916 of $100 million, uh, that she had made in the stock market. She had taken a small amount of money and that had come to her as an inheritance and was fixated on 
the stock market and made $100 million. One of the interesting things about Hetty Green is that uh, she was very rich, but, very, but lived as a pauper. She would uh, eat her oatmeal cold. I, I can barely eat oatmeal warm, uh, much less cold. Uh, her son uh, had to, according to stories, had to have his leg amputated because it took her so long to get him medical care because she was looking for a free clinic. Uh, she actually died, this is the story, she actually died when she got in an argument with a friend over which was better, skim milk or whole milk, because skim milk was cheaper. $100 million, but lived in such a way in that the wealth was not appropriated. Read another story about a guy who was living in poverty because he was poor in California when word came to him that he uh, was the lost heir of a British nobleman. And he went out immediately, bought a new suit, purchased a first-class plane ticket, and went back to England to inherit the wealth that had been given him. Now, here's the part that I want you to see. It doesn't matter what you have if you don't live like you have it. You know, God has given you this spiritual gift. But in the freedom that he's given you, he's given you the option to either walk in it or to ignore it. To live as a pauper or to live as someone wealthy in God's kingdom. And the question is, how are you going to live? Why is this a big deal? Because God's body is built up through the execution of spiritual gifts among God's people. We unfortunately live in a society where we think, oh, we pay people to do the job of church. We pay staff and we pay uh, others to take care of stuff and it's my what I get to do is I just get to come and soak um, not so much your job is not to soak your job is to give to be what God has called you to be so today I just want to talk about spiritual gifts and again Rather than looking just at a passage, I want to look at this topic of spiritual gifts to give us a foundation of moving forward. So the first question I want to answer is this. What are spiritual gifts? What are spiritual gifts? Uh, there are two primary words in the New Testament, and I'm not a Greek scholar. Uh, I run with one, but I'm not one. Uh, so, uh, But I do know this, that uh, pneumaticon is one of the words, and the the, in the Greek, pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, pneuma, it means spirit. And so these spiritual gifts are gifts given by the Holy Spirit. They're, they're, one of the ways to term this word pneumaticon is spirituals. Not like the song, I talked about this last week, but in um, 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, now about spiritual gifts, these spirituals, these these things that come from the Spirit, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. And so spiritual gifts are given by God through the Holy Spirit to individual believers. 
And the other word that's commonly used is the word uh, charisma, from which we get the word charismatic, for those who believe that spiritual gifts, all the gifts are available today. But really, charisma comes from the fundamental word charis, which is grace. They're gifts of God's grace given to us. Uh, Paul says in uh, Romans 1, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. So spiritual gifts are gifts of grace given by the Holy Spirit to believers for a specific purpose, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. We, as a church, are, we stand in what we like to call the continuationist movement. Um, continuationist means that God gave these spiritual gifts to the church, the early church, and that those gifts have continued from that day till now. And that they're still needed for the purposes that we're going to talk about and will be needed and will be in operation until Jesus returns. For those of you who wondered, that's, that stands in opposition to what's called um, uh, those who say that gifts have ceased. Some people will talk about it, the cessationist movement. Those who are cessationists are guys like John MacArthur, um, uh, just to name probably one of the most common speakers who believe that those supernatural gifts like prophecy, tongues, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, those things have ceased. That when the New Testament was founded or the early church was founded, depending on your point of view, that those supernatural gifts are no longer needed, and so they've stopped being in operation. Now, my reading of the New Testament is anything uh, but that. Uh, I, I just, I, I, I don't see it. I, I understand the passages that they talk about, which are very sparse, by the way, about why gifts have ceased. Um, and instead, I choose to believe that until Christ returns, that all the gifts of the Spirit are needed for the purposes that we're going to talk about. Now, one of the reasons cessationism is very popular is because those that are in the charismatic Pentecostal movement are just so dang weird. Um, uh, honestly, um, they, they, they have abused uh, a lot of things about spiritual gifts. Rather than seeing them for a purpose of building up the body of Christ and doing the things we're going to talk about, they've used them for personal gain, financial impropriety, uh, sexual abuse. You just go down, right down the list. And um, because the word charismatic also means what? It also means someone who's got a certain charisma. There's a drawing to the person. Uh, and we have translated at times this idea of someone with charisma of being charismatic or gifts of the Spirit. And we've confused why they've been given. And as a result, I think more people who are cessationists, this is just this is my own inadequate view. But what they've responded to is not the biblical mandate, but they've responded to the abuse they've seen within the charismatic movement. I don't really like the word charismatic because it means so many things to so many different people. 
Uh, it can mean anything, and a lot of times it has a negative connotation. I like the word continuationist to say this is still continuing, what God wants to do and is doing in the continuationist movement of using all the gifts of the Spirit that are available today. But I don't want to respond in such a way that I neglect what God's doing because of the abuses of a few. I don't want to miss out on what God's doing because somebody's taken it and used it for their own personal gain in a way that doesn't build up the body of Christ and for the purposes that we've been given. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. I hope I didn't offend anyone. Just explain where we are as a church, why we are like we are, and how we're trying to pursue these plans and purposes of God across, across the world. If you reject what God is doing because of the abuses of a few, you'll be left with nothing because everything in every way is being abused in some form. So what is the purpose of spiritual gifts? Let's look at a couple of scripture passages. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers or spirituals, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. So here's what, let me set this up real quick. Paul is saying, don't be ignorant about spiritual gifts. When you were unsaved, you were ignorant. Because you were being led away. You were being led astray to mute idols who can't even say anything. That's how ignorant you were. But you're not that anymore. And he goes on and says, Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I believe one of the primary purposes of spiritual gifts is to point people to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Um, as a matter of fact, I think it's the it's if if we're not pointing people to the lordship of Jesus Christ, what in the world are we doing? What other purpose does the church have than pointing people to the lordship of Jesus Christ so they can enter into um, to receive Him as the one who leads their life and forgives their sins, so their relationship with God can be restored? Isn't that why we exist as a church? We don't exist as a church to build a nice room with nice carpet and nice chairs. These are just, this is just a means to an end. The end is to point people, everything we do, to point people to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Everything about your life should be as a steward of grace to point people to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And somehow we've gotten off of that at times. Here's another passage. Here, this is in 1 Corinthians 14. By the way, I'm going to come back to this in like eight weeks and preach this passage again, but you'll have forgotten by then. Matter of fact, you'll have forgotten by tomorrow. But uh, I'm going to come back in uh, like eight weeks and preach this passage. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues, and some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in, will they not say that you're out of your mind? I will talk on this one even sooner than eight weeks when I talk on tongues, but uh, that's not our goal, right? For unbelievers to come in and say, oh, these people are crazy. 
So, but if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody's prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner, will be judged by all, and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. That's our goal. One of the purposes of spiritual gifts is to point people to the lordship of Jesus Christ and for people to realize that God is among his people. One of our primary purposes as a church, we talk about the three E's around here, encounter, experience, and expand. We want people when they come in to encounter God and his people. God and his people. God in the midst of his people. How does that happen? By us walking in the spiritual giftedness that God has blessed us with. Another purpose is to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. They are intended for service. Intended for service. So spiritual gifts point people to the lordship of Jesus Christ and they give us all an opportunity to serve. We'll come back to this in just a minute. Spiritual gifts, in other words, are not for my own ownership. They don't really, it's not for building me up, it's for building us up. They are intended to be given away to service. Kathy talked about the upside down kingdom today and she talked about if you want to, to, to lead, you serve. Jesus modeled service. I mean, he was the ultimate to me servant leader, one who came and gave his life away. In, in the world's standards, the, it's like a pyramid that the higher you go, the more people are under you, meaning the more people have to do what you say, that they obey you, they fall in line with you. So the higher you go, the more privileges you get. And the more privileges you get, the better life is for you. In God's kingdom, it's like an upside-down pyramid. The higher you go, the less privileges you get the less rights you get to demand, the more you get to give your life away. And the, the kingdom of God is built in such a way that God says, look, I'm going to give you this incredible gift. Through the Holy Spirit, I'm going to instill in you this gift of grace by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now give it away. Use it to serve. Look, if you're, if you're in this room, you've at some point lived in America. And again, the American dream is just get all I can, hoard it, use it for me. It's not kingdom-minded. Rather, I receive from God so that I can give away. All right, I'm going to move forward. Um, Intended for service. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. Meaning he's given different kinds of gifts for us to serve. Then, he, another passage, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, Now to each one the manifestation of, given, uh, of the spirit is given for what purpose? The common good. So the service that we're doing, there's different ways to serve, right? I could go out onto the streets and serve... But what God has called me to do with this spiritual gift is to serve for the common good, us, 
the building up of the body of Christ. So they're given for the common good. They're also given to bring glory to God. Ultimately, this is the chief end of man, isn't it? According to the Westminster Shorter Catechism, to bring glory to God. But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody's prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he's a sinner, will be judged by all, and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he or she will declare, God is in your midst. It brings glory to God. The lordship of Jesus Christ, the building up of the body of Christ, the, the, the serving of the body, the, the bringing glory to God. That's why you've been given a gift. Is that not like, shouldn't that stir you in some way? To say, what, what am I doing? Isn't there more than Netflix? Isn't there more than Facebook? Or TikTok? Or whatever you're giving your life away to in time? Isn't there even more than a job? Isn't there more than education? Isn't there more than this limited view I have of life of getting over the next hurdle tomorrow? Instead, embracing the gift that God has given to me to point people to the lordship of Jesus and serve the body of Christ and build up the body of Christ and give glory to God. I'm trying to help us, me. Maybe I'm just preaching to me. If that's I'm moved, if you're not, to say there's got to be, I've got to receive more. I've got to lift my gaze off merely the negative or the limited or the things that are bringing me down to say, God, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done here in my heart as it's done in heaven. All right. Let me tell you some things that gifts are not, because we confuse them. We confuse gifts with certain ideas. And so here's what gifts are not. First of all, gifts are not singular. Gifts are not singular. Here's what I mean by that. There is not one gift of the Spirit. There are a multitude of gifts of the Spirit. Here's why I say this. Uh, for those of you from a Pentecostal tradition, um, welcome. We're, we're glad you're here. Um, but in a Pentecostal uh, theology, it's this. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Um, here at Fullness, we don't use that language because we believe in the baptism, the filling, the empowerment, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and the evidence of some gift of the Spirit in your life. That there is not a singular gift of the Spirit that's given to those who've been anointed and filled, empowered, baptized with the Holy Spirit, but rather God has given you some gift. You know, it's obvious Paul says, hey, I wish you all spoke in tongues like I do, but you don't. But he didn't say to them, here's what you need. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He didn't say that. He, his, his assumption was that they were already filled with the Spirit, baptized with the Spirit, anointed with the Spirit, at least from my reading of that passage in 1 Corinthians 12. He said, eagerly desire, ask for whatever gift, but God, he's saying God is the one who gives the gift. Don't manufacture it. So gifts are not singular. There is not 
One gift of the Spirit. My friend uh, Jack Taylor, he always used to say, you know, you, you want to know what the sign of the filling of the Spirit is? I'll tell you. Trouble. That's, it. That's, that's, the, that's the gift you get. That's the sign you've been filled with the Spirit is you got trouble right here in River City. All right. Um, the second, gifts are not talents. Talents are different than gifts. Now, we talk about someone being gifted musically. Uh, they've received a gift, and I think in a way it's a gift, but it's not the same as a spiritual gift. Uh, what we're talking about here, now, let me also say that a gift can become used in a way with a spiritual gift so that it's magnified. So that if a musician, for instance, uh, sings, they could sing in a way that's prophetically gifted. They're using a talent in conjunction with a spiritual gift, and it gets amplified. Uh, if, if, so there are different talents that we all have, and it's not exactly the same as this impartation of the Spirit of God that gifts. There's a, there, there is a difference. Now, in my category of speaking and talking and living, I, I believe every talent that you've been given, you're the steward for God's kingdom. And I do think it works in conjunction with your spiritual gift, but they're different. Talents are, are, are also not offices. By offices, I, I, I mean this, like there's, past, there's prophet, pastor, uh, prophet, um, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. Those are offices. Uh, those are different in a way. They're, someone can be prophetically gifted and not walk in what we would call the role or office of a prophet. It's a whole different aspect. It's a whole different responsibility. It's a whole different level. So don't confuse uh, someone who has a, even a pastoral gift to shepherd people and to love people as being a pastor. So gifts and offices are different. Now we talk about offices as being gifted men. We'll talk about that in the days ahead. But here's part of the problem as I see it. And this isn't on your list, but Sometimes we think of talents and offices, uh, talents and gifting as signs of maturity, right? Hello? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, this person has a prophetic gifting. That, that must make them especially mature. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. What if your eight-year-old has a prophetic gifting? Praise God, they've got a prophetic gifting. But you're not going to confuse that with maturity. We all need to be raised to a level of maturity. And I think there's an aspect of offices that has to be, that, that takes some time, seasoning, um, gifting, maturity. That's different. Uh, sometimes, that's one of the things that happens with both talents and gifting is people who are immature get prematurely appointed to positions of authority and power. And then they shipwreck. And we're like, well, what happened to them? Well, we happened to them. We pushed them to a place where they weren't ready for. 
I've seen it over and over in my life. I, I remember when um, uh, B.J. Thomas, does anybody know B.J. Thomas? B.J. Thomas, raindrops keep falling on my head. He, anyway, B.J. Thomas got saved. And um, did all, all of a sudden, within months, did a Christian album. The next thing you know, B.J. Thomas is everywhere at Christian concerts, doing all this Christian stuff. And then B.J. Thomas realized, wow, there's not near as much money here as there is, and raindrops keep falling on my head. So he would go to a concert, but now you got all these Christian people coming, wanted to hear his Christian album, and B.J. Thomas is still singing, raindrops keep falling on my head. And he gets mad at the Christian people who are asking him to sing the Christian songs. And the problem is Christian people pushed on B.J. Thomas quickly, this role, this responsibility that he wasn't ready for, and it shipwrecked him. And then the Christian community was like, well, we're not going to buy his albums no more. I mean, it was just nuts. It's nuts, but we do this all the time, rather than allowing people to grow into maturity and to understand. So don't assume that someone who's gifted is necessarily mature. The Bible doesn't say, hey, God is only going to give spiritual gifts to those who are mature. No, he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all men. I, I'm going to gift. I'm going to empower. Now, it's our responsibility to shepherd, to grow, to help encourage. But you don't, don't necessarily think you have to be mature to walk in your spiritual gifts. And let's not prematurely promote people who are gifted. We're going to try and walk in that balance. I hope that's understandable. Gifts are also not ministries. Ministry is different than a gift. A ministry is like, is like the area that you have to serve in, right? So like, um, let's say that I'm a teacher. Let's say that, just go with me for a second. Let's just say that my spiritual gift is teaching. Uh, I can teach in this capacity with you, or I could be teaching in a small group, or I could be teaching um, first grade class. Um, I, I did all of those things this week, by the way. I, I, I taught at Christ Healthcare, uh, where Amelia works. I, I taught uh, Wednesday night when I did the question and answer. I did a wedding yesterday, and I did a kids camp. I've got whiplash from all the different areas. But here's the point. Don't confuse a ministry area with a specific gifting. Got to call, just because you have a gifting, use it somewhere for the building up of the body. Use it for advancing God's kingdom, but understand that that gifting may be used in a different ministry area. Also, gifts are not fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is different than the gifts of the Spirit. I just listed real quick the difference, um, just so you'll know. Um, Gifts have to do with service. Fruit has to do with character. Hello? Just uh, moan at me every once in a while, and I'll know that you're still with me, and it's just as for me. Uh, gifts, gifts are a means to an end. It's for the build. They're given for the building up of the body of Christ. There, there is an end in spiritual gifts. You, you are uh, in fruit, but the fruit of the Spirit is... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Uh, gifts are what we have. Fruit is what we are, which is a big difference to me. Um, gifts are given from without. The Spirit of God 
gives this gift and imparts it to us. And the fruit is produced from within with the gift of the, with the, gift of the person of the Holy Spirit growing within us, letting his fruit go from there. Gifts are plural. There are a lot of gifts of the Spirit, but there is the fruit of the Spirit. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, love. Those are not fruits. It's fruit. They all go together. Gifts, they are temporary. We don't need the gifts of the Spirit when we get to heaven. Hello? You're going to go floating around heaven and say, I need a word of prophecy up here. No, no, you're living, you're living in that glory. But the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, peace that's permanent. That's, that's us forever. Walking in God's kingdom. So gifts are not the same as fruit, and they're also not the same as roles. By roles, I mean like this. Um, let's talk the, the spiritual gift of giving. I think Reed's preaching on giving in a couple of weeks. Spiritual gift of giving is, is, is a gift given supernaturally to people, and I've known them. We have some here in our church who give incredibly. Financially, they, they just, they love to give. And the spiritual gift of giving, it's, it's an interesting word. It's, it's the word haplotes. It's like a cloth unfolded. A cloth unfolded meaning there's nothing hidden. I mean, I know people who uh, supposedly have the gift of giving, um, but when they give, then they want something in return. They want a seat at the table. They want a voice. They want to have influence. That's not the gift of giving. You know what that's called? Manipulation. Yeah, exactly. They're trying to, manip they're trying to use resources to manipulate what's going on. That's not the, the gift of giving is those who just find joy in giving. They know things need to be funded. They know things need to happen, so they, they give. That's different than the role that all of us have, which is we're all to be givers, right? Everybody in here, no one is exempt from the privilege of giving. God loves a cheerful giver. We're all to take on that role or that responsibility. We could take it evangelist. There's people who, who evangelize. They're just, they walk up to someone in McDonald's, and the next thing you know, the person has fallen down on their knees giving their life to God. And you're like, how did that happen? There's an anointing on their life, to, but it doesn't exempt all of the rest of us from sharing our faith. Evangelizing. Some people have the gift of faith, but we all are to walk in faith, right? So gifts and roles. Don't, here's what happens sometimes. You know, people excuse their bad behavior like it's not a spiritual gift. You know, I really, I give, but I really don't have the gift of giving. Or, I, you know, I'd like to share my faith, but I don't really have that. I'm not an evangelist. You know, God, God doesn't say, hey, when the person in front of you needs to hear about Jesus, you need to run away and go find an evangelist. No, I think God will gift you at that moment for what you need. And it's part of our roles to share our faith with the world, world around us. Here's my goal this morning. It's this. We all have been gifted supernaturally by the power of Spirit. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, you 
have received a spiritual gift. By the power of the Spirit, this gift of grace is given to you for the purpose of pointing people to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to building up the body of Christ, serving others, to, to giving glory to God. Don't let what gifts aren't detract you from what they are. This is God's plan. This is God's way of growing his body and strengthening his body. And the question is, are you going to be like the queen of Wall Street and sit back in this unbelievable spiritual wealth and live as a pauper? Or are we going to step out in faith and say, I don't understand everything about this, but I am willing to walk in this gift of grace by the power of the Spirit that God has in my life. If you don't use your spiritual gift, you're going to be an uninvolved member of the body of Christ. You'll be like a hand that says, I, I would just rather sit on the top of this table than do anything. You'll be uninvolved. And, by the way, you're contributing to an overworked minority. In other words, you're saying, I'm not going to do my part, but I'm going to let them do theirs. I'll let everybody else serve and everybody else do their stuff. Statistics in the evangelical church in America pretty hold, hold pretty true to the 80-20 principle, which is this, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. 20% of the people give 80% of the resources. 20%. Now, praise God, fullness is not like that. Uh, I believe our stats are better than that, but I believe 100% should be doing 100%. That if we all do what we're called to do, then we'll all be walking in God's plan and purpose. You'll be fulfilled. You'll, you will, if you use your spiritual gift, you're going to experience the joy of genuine community. Could it be that people aren't happy going to church sometimes because they're not doing what they're gifted to do? They've lost their joy. And highest calling, you contribute to the expansion of God's kingdom. That's who we want to be. This church will not be built on my preaching. It will not be built on the staff's doing. It won't be built on the elders um, guarding. It will be built on everyone walking in their spiritual gift and doing what God has called us to do, ultimately for the lordship of Jesus Christ to the glory of God. Lord, we thank you and pray this morning that you would help equip us Lord, you've already equipped us. I pray that we would find ourselves willing to serve. Lord, let us not just sit back and say this is for others, but instead, Lord, say, God, show me my part. Show me where I'm to walk. Show me what I'm to do. Lord, I pray this morning that you would take my life, use it for the furtherance of your kingdom, Lord, take the gift that you've given to me. I'm just a steward of grace. 
May I use it to see your kingdom advanced. Lord, I give myself to you. Afresh and anew. I say, Lord, forgive me. God, forgive me. Where I've sat back and let others do. Refuse to walk in my gifting. Let the enemy lie to me that I'm too wounded or weak or inadequate to do. But instead, God, let your word over me be the one I hear. May I walk in some measure in the gift of grace by the power of the Spirit that you've put in my life. Church, stand up with me.